Hello, hello, and welcome to uh, the first NBA podcast of the season on the Pick and Play podcast. Uh, We're going to be breaking down some of the trades that have already happened around the NBA, and we're going to do a little pre-draft talk. Uh, by the time you listen to this, the draft will probably be going on. We will do a post-draft talk after. But let's start by dissecting some of the trades. And at this point in time, some of maybe the not trades, as uh, we will get into. There is some late breaking news. So uh, let's talk about probably the defending champions. Now defending as we turn the page. I like uh, the way that sounds. Make a trade for Dennis Schroeder and trade Danny Green and, uh, was it a pick? Yeah, it was a first-round pick and Danny Green. And Danny Green for Schroeder. Okay, so immediately the Lakers get better. How does this help them? I mean, the Lakers needed guard play all season. They ended up being able to cobble up enough guard play to win a championship, which I guess I guess the, the guard play wasn't so bad in retrospect. But uh, they needed that that point guard. I don't know if if Schroeder is going to be starting or if he's going to be coming off the bench. But regardless, I like the fit because he's a scorer that doesn't need someone else to create a look for him. He can go get his own bucket. And from the guard position, that's something that the Lakers needed desperately. Last season, they had Rondo, had Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso, KCP, Danny Green. What do all those players have in common? They can't really create offense for themselves that well. And so uh, Schroeder fits a big need. Uh, again, I'm curious to see if he's going to be a six-man or if they're going to start him. But he can spread the floor. He's an improved jump shooter. My favorite thing about him is he's just got that dog. Yep. You know, and, and I don't know how many times I have to say this on this podcast, but I love players that have that dog, that fuck you in them. And Dennis Schroeder absolutely has that. So I'm excited about the addition. Uh, you know, Danny Green, he's been traded again since he got traded from the Lakers. So uh, shout out Danny Green. We yeah. want to ring with him. I appreciate him. And but if you can turn Danny Green into Dennis Schroeder by giving up a late first-round pick, you got to do that every time, I think, right? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, if you're Oklahoma City, you get a unexpected playoff berth last year. You trade away Russell Westbrook. You now trade away Schroeder for a first-round pick. You end up with Danny Green. Now, pause. They turn around at that point in time and trade Chris Paul over to the Phoenix Suns for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, uh, and, and, and a 2020, 2022 first-round pick. So the Thunder then take Chris Paul and, let's, what is it, Abdel Nader? Um, not yeah, really. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a couple whatevers in this, right? Um, and they, they throw Chris Paul over to Phoenix, so let's let's go. The Thunder, again, have made one deal, they get a first-round pick. They make two deals, they get another first-round pick. Mind you, this is on top of the treasure trove they already have. And they land back Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, who, you know, they're so they're going to cobble together a team that's feisty, it looks like, at this point in time. Now, let's break down... What does this mean for the Suns? You got them in the playoffs now? Are they a top-half playoff team? I'm going to press pause on the first half mm. of the, the Western Conference talk. But okay. I think this definitely elevates them into playoff contention. They should be a playoff team. Now, at this point, if they don't make the playoffs, that's a disappointment. 
It's not like uh, with this past season we saw them in the bubble. They go undefeated. At by the end of that little tournament or or the end of the regular season, we were all cheering for the Suns. But that being said, I, I want to pump the brakes on first half of the Western Conference. I don't think they're going to be a top four seed. At least I don't see that right now. Um, but I, I just want to take a second and and address the fact that I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people, most of the people that we consider smart basketball people, saying that the Suns did too much to get Chris Paul. And I disagree wholeheartedly. How? So before I rant on that, you tell me, how do you feel about that trade? How? Like, how do you think you gave up? To- okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Is, is the thought that somehow Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre, like, I think people get... There's this weird thing, as someone who's a secondary NBA fan, okay, I liked multiple other sports, and I've turned into an NBA fan later in life, so I've gotten a different perspective on the game compared to these other sports. People defend these players in such a weird way sometimes. Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio has had incredible moments many years ago. Kelly Oubre is a who gives a shit. Okay, you gave up what you got was a Hall of Fame player at the end of his career that can give you Hall of Fucking Fame minutes for 30 minutes from his position a game. Did you give up anything anywhere near that level of competency? No, no, they didn't. And I think that the the counter argument that most people are using is, hey, you want to save the assets for the future. Hey, you don't want to just trade future assets for an aging superstar on a bad contract. And I get all that stuff. But, you know, life doesn't work like a a computer simulation. This isn't 2K. Like, you have to do what you need to do to appease Devin Booker. You need to do what you need to do to appease the fans. I think that this trade got both done. The fans are happy because this team should be a playoff team for the first time since they had Steve Nash on the roster, which has been quite a while at this point. And uh, Devin Booker knows now that you're willing to invest in him. This is the first deal that they've made since Devin Booker's been there where you can say, wow, the Suns did something to help him. So if that keeps Devin Booker happy for two more seasons, that's worth it, in my opinion. I... I look at it and I actually kind of come come to the table and go, look, you, you cannot you cannot win a championship without getting to the playoffs. You have to get to the playoffs. Get to the playoffs for two years. Become a destination that maybe another veteran would want to join you. At this point in time, you have your two young players. If they're no good, there's no point in just keep getting these young players. Give it a run. If it doesn't work, you can always go back into the toilet. You're really good at that, Phoenix. So... From that perspective, you go, I have Aiton. I have Booker. These are my stars. What are you talking about? This is my Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Only I would take Booker over jo- over um, Ben Simmons. You, yeah, you go- agreed. And I would take Embiid over uh, Aiton. So you go, this is my two, though. So I'm adding my third, which is the veteran, to, that just scrappied and put together an OKC team people thought would finish last. And I'm going to put him around, like, high-quality talent. Not high-quality players, now, although, uh, you know, I, Devin obviously is. Aiton we don't know yet. But he's obviously shown the ability to elevate. I don't even see where you could humor the idea 
that this was a bad trade for Phoenix. I don't even know where that would... I don't even, like, know how you... I understand you, like, you know, devil's advocate, but like you said, this is this is the right move. This is a win-win. I think both moves so far in our journey down the timeline are win-wins. Yeah, I like the trade 100%. You're not going to see me... You're not ever going to see my timeline, anywhere on my timeline, saying that the Suns should not have traded for Chris Paul. And maybe it doesn't work. Because, you know, when you have an aging point guard like, you know, like Chris Paul is, you have to expect that Father Time is going to win eventually, right? But this is the kind of swing that you need to take when you can take it. Because obviously Phoenix, is the people aren't just lining up to sign in Phoenix. Right. So if you can get Chris Paul, you fucking go get Chris Paul to be your number three guy. In... It's easy. I don't understand the, the, the detractors. No, I don't get it either. And with that, let's move further on the day. November 16th, we continue into the evening. 11.26 p.m. Not necessarily something that uh, was a big flag, but it comes out that James Harden says, hey, I'm turning down $50 million a year. Okay, now this is interesting because Daryl Morey, the GM of Houston, obviously didn't get along with leadership. He's gone. He's in Philly. Mike D'Antoni obviously didn't get along with leadership. He's gone. Now we're turning the attention to Russell and Harden. And Harden says, for $50 million a year, you can go fuck yourself. Interesting, right? It is interesting. I, I can't say that I'm too surprised by the Harden news because the GM that's been there, his whole gone. ten Houston gone, the head coach gone. Uh, the the future assets not great. The roster not the best. Uh, the trade that you made to bring your best friend over to the team for the season didn't work the way you wanted it to. So are, I mean, are we really surprised that James Harden looked around and said, "Hmm, my old buddy KD's cooking something up over there in Brooklyn." I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, like are we really surprised by that? Uh, no, and I want to I want to table that Brooklyn talk till later in the pod when we got to come back to it. If we forget, remind me. Because that's going to be a whole thing. But I, well, I find what's interesting is, I'll tell you this, here's my, here's my long shot. I believe that Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey will not get fucking along in, in Philly. I believe that Daryl Morey will trade for James Harden. And I believe that Mike D'Antoni, who's sitting on the Nets bench right now, remember that. Part of the also rumor of Harden going over there is the Nets bench has D'Antoni. That's where he is. D'Antoni. Right, right. I think it's interesting that the two places he's rumored to are the two places with his homies. Right. D'Antoni and, and Durant are over there in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And then in Philly, he's got his boy Daryl. I believe that they will all reconvene minus Durant in Philly. All. So? After this year, Maury will get rid of Doc. Moved Antony back in. James Harden will come back, and they'll get their kumbaya again. Only Maury will get an ownership that'll give him more control, and I think you'll get a better product. So I do believe that. Wow. That's what's... I like that. I like that. Joel Embiid, uh, and and as we get through the timeline here, we're going to get into some other trades that happen that uh, I believe will bolster this. Uh, and well, I let's be get right into Philly's other deal. They they uh they sent out Al Horford. You want to talk about that one? They send out Al Horford, which moves them off of money, and they send out Horford where? 
Where'd they send him again? Uh, over to... Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. They sent him to OKC. OKC, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm they sorry, get... I in... sipping on this beer. No, you're good. You're good. They, I was looking it up because I want to understand it was for two first rounders, right? Uh, or was it a first and a second? Uh, it it's was not a first, updated. a second rounder, and Danny Green. And Danny Green. <laughs> that's right. So the second that's rounder is right. this year. The first round pick, I believe, is in 2025. And then they pick up Danny Green. Yeah, so they get 2025 first round pick and the number 34 pick in the 2020 uh nba draft night so first and a second and then uh danny green goes over to okc with terrence ferguson which is so funny because now presty picks up another one and we round green to philly actually yeah sorry danny green to philly uh okc receives horford so okc is now putting together mm, kind of this like i don't know they're not going to be able to challenge for the ninth seed but they're going to be an interesting team. They're going to play hard, and they're going to be scrappy. Oklahoma City is going to be a scrappy, fun team. They're going to be terrible. But um, I, I, I almost bet that they're going to trade Steven Adams as well. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, Horford and Adams don't fit together right. at all. So I mean, they're clearly stockpiling assets. Yep. I'm, I'm going to assume that what Presti's doing over there is saying, I'm going to stockpile every asset I can get. Even if it means I got to take on a bad contract for a year or two, yep. I'm going to see what Shea Gilgis Alexander looks like, and I'm going to try to knock all these picks out the park or turn them into a superstar. Those are the two options. Yeah, and I, I think this even goes more toward they're clearing the deck over there on Philly for something. They've cleared cap space for something or someone. Uh, Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson aren't going to weigh you down. Um, but they do pick up that wing three and D player that they were looking for. If they're gonna land Harden, you're gonna you're gonna need to move that piece. Now I don't know what they could get. They do have Ben Simmons. I think you could. I mean, right now if I say, hey, I'll give you Ben Simmons for James Harden. James Harden wants out. I I think you almost have to do it if you're if you're Houston. No one's gonna give you anything better than Ben Simmons. Like you need to now trade away Westbrook for pennies, but. If you get Simmons, you get Simmons, Horford, what are you going to put, Oubre? You're going to have a team that, that team actually could maybe make the playoffs. Uh, Houston, what is it? Uh, no, they'll have Eric Gordon. Uh, no, nah, they don't no, have enough. No, what, what they'll have. No, they, they, they won't. Make a deal. No, know, no, but yeah, they won't have I, nearly you enough. Know, I agree with you. I, I agree that I, I think that Houston Houston's best option is to try and pull Ben Simmons from Philly. But the problem with that is how much the, – the more time that goes on, the less leverage that Houston has. And so if they're going to look to make that kind of move, I think they need to make it now because Harden's got two years left before his player option. Uh, if that number drops to one year, you're not getting Ben Simmons for him. No. No. And we move then from uh, Houston – Houston then turns around and trades the uh, – trades Trevor uh, – Robert Covington for Trevor Ariza. Uh, they get back a first-round pick in 16th overall and the 2021, which is kind of an interesting move for Portland. Um, it fills a need. They yeah. Need. You know, when you have Melo playing big minutes at the small forward position in the playoffs – that kind of to me tells me yeah you need a small forward like badly it's a very weird very weird thing for portland i don't think that portland as constructed can go deep in the playoffs um i i I guess you're like hey look we just want the six through eight seed which it you could you're gonna put together a good six through eight seed but 
Um, I don't see them as a, as a big threat. I think this move just makes them like uh, raises their floor a little bit, but I don't think it raises their ceiling. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. I think that they addressed their biggest need. However, uh, the manner in which they addressed it, like you say, it, it raises their floor without a doubt. They get a, a, a solid 3 and D, one of the better 3 and D players in the league. But... Uh, you know, I don't think it really raises their ceiling much. I don't think Robert covering Covington, excuse me, turns them into a championship contender. No, I don't either. Uh, so the real news of the 16th that actually kind of turns heads is the Pelicans. The Pelicans look like they're going to be trading um, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill for three first round picks and for Drew Holiday. That's kind of a lot for Drew Holiday. I know a lot of people are uh, real excited about Drew, but we are talking about he's been in the league for 10 years. He's got two all-star appearances. I don't know. Does this? Re- I know it sounds exciting, and I think Drew Bledsoe was one of the most aggravating people to watch. I actually hate watching Drew Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe play. Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, Eric, Eric Bledsoe, Bledsoe play. I, I, I just... I. That plus three first-rounders and pick swaps, they must know Giannis is going to stay there or else this is going to be a desolate team that, I mean, might need to get moved. <laughs> this is going to be bare. What do, you, do you think this puts them over the top? Maybe not over the top, but when you look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, the, Brooklyn is the only team that you look at and say, ah, yes, like this is the team. You know what I mean? And so if the East is wide open, then I do like this deal. And regardless of how we feel about Drew Holiday's career, you have to recognize that if Brooklyn is who's standing between you and a potential finals appearance, you're going to need someone to guard Kyrie Irving. You know, and that person was not on the Bucks roster prior to this trade. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, I like Eric Bledsoe. I don't love Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe was about to, you know, if that's a series, if it's Eric Bledsoe versus Kyrie Irving, he's getting put in a blender. Yeah. You can't have that. So I understand why they made the move. And actually, before they even made the move, I listed the Bucks as one of my uh, favorite teams to land him because it made the most sense. Like you, though, I think they gave up a lot. Three picks and two pick swaps, like that's a lot for Drew Holiday. It's a, it's a fucking lot. It's a lot for Drew Holiday. Yeah. However... Yeah, this is the best team in the league on the defensive side of the ball in the in the past season, and they add arguably, if not the best, uh, top five uh, defender of the guard position in the league, and so I, I think if the best defensive team in the league adds one of the best defenders in the league, uh, that's not nothing. You know, and Drew right. Holiday, we might slander his numbers because they aren't the greatest, but 19-6-5, and five is, is that's not chump change. Giannis nope. would love that, obviously. No, I, I, I don't – it's not that he's chump change. It's just that I really look at that and I go, you couldn't get anything better? Uh, and I, I want to talk a little bit about the value of first-round picks because as someone from another sport, they really are – it is fucking weird and – in the NBA compared to other sports, what, you know, how, how they trade uh, picks away. But I, I, I don't know. I just go, so, you know, does it make you, <laughs> does it make you that much better uh, for what you're actually losing? I mean, between George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, I don't know. I, I just. 
look at it like this. You know, With Drew well, Holiday. Drew Holiday is almost like a Giannis enhancer. That's how I look at yeah. it. Yeah. Now Giannis no longer has to guard the best perimeter option on the other team. Drew Holiday can do that. Giannis no longer has to create. Yeah. Every okay. It sets their team ball. better. Yeah, you're right. Okay. He, okay. He doesn't. Giannis. The it's weight a... is lifted off of Giannis in terms of playmaking and defense. Maybe you get a fresher Giannis. Maybe you can use Giannis in different ways if you have someone who can actually create offense. Eric Bledsoe wasn't creating shit unless it was for himself. Drew Holiday, you know, a career averages six assists a game. Like, this is a playmaker. Yep. And that's what they need next to Giannis. Yep. Uh, nothing really happens after that uh, until... This is a little interesting nugget I want to break a little bit down into. Uh, on November 17th, Gordon Hayward and the Boston Celtics agreed to push the deadline for Hayward's $34 million player option back by a couple days, which now puts it to tomorrow at 3 p.m. This is interesting because... That we have the draft tonight. They they're either actively shopping him or trying to work something different out. I gotta think that they're actively trying to shop him in a sign and trade. How do you feel about this? Uh I think that both sides could probably use a, a departure from each other. You know, I think the Celtics would be better off without trying to force Gordon Hayward into their rotation. I think last season we saw that they're they're just fine with Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. I don't think they necessarily need Gordon Hayward. And for Gordon Hayward, I'm sure that he's not really happy being the third or fourth option or fifth option. I don't know. You, you tell me what number option you think he is, but Four or six. I don't think that that's the option that he thought he was going to be when he signed there. So... I think it might be good for both sides to just split up. I don't really know why they extended their deadline. I'm like you. I'm guessing it's for sign and trade possibilities. Because if he was going to accept it, he would have already done so. You know, like yep. if if coming back to Boston was what he wanted to do, this we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So I'm going to assume that they're looking for a sign and trade to somewhere. I don't know where. I've heard the Hawks. I've heard the Pacers. I really hope it's not the Hawks because I enjoy watching them and I don't really want to see Gordon Hayward there. Send him to Indiana. I'm cool with that. I don't like watching them anyway. Yeah. Purgatory, essentially. That Yeah, and he also perfect uh, Indiana player, uh, just the way he looks. So um, <laughs> let's let's move into what's actually breaking now, and then let's talk some, some – uh, let's talk some Nets, then let's talk some draft. So what just happened is the Rockets – did two things. They purchased Detroit's 2021 second round pick for $4 million. That's interesting. Then Houston traded Trevor Ariza for the number 16 and the number 16 pick tonight to Detroit for a future Detroit first round pick. So Houston will trade one of their first-round picks this year. They're a hard-cap team. This now gives them the freedom to use the mid-level exception in free agency. That is peculiar because if you were doing that, are you planning to move Russ and then fill in pieces? Because now you're down a couple pieces. You lost to a Covington. You're going to lose one of those two, Harden or Westbrook. You cannot keep them together. You do free yourself up to rearrange. I actually think this this is moving pieces so both sides can be – so whoever they trade with can be flexible. But I think that's a little interesting. Trading right now as the draft approaches away. 
Yeah, it, it sounds like a move to maintain flexibility. Uh, but to be honest, I don't know what the hell Houston's doing over there. I really don't know what they're doing. Houston, they're not building a contender. <laughs> I know that. Houston's oh. getting ready to trade for Ben Simmons, for Harden, and they're going to clear that up so they can run Wes, Ben, and then some other mid-tier person and be a low playoff team. Fuck right. Them. If they, you know, if that's what they're doing, then okay. Uh, but if they try to roll into next season with Harden and Westbrook still on the roster, I'm going to be wondering what the hell's going on over there. Yeah. So let's break down the Nets then, right? We, a lot of people, it's, Harden is focused on getting to the Nets. Well, Houston still has to trade him. So I, I, if you're the Nets, okay. If I'm, let me, let me do this. If I'm the Nets front office and the phone rings and I pick it up, and the GM for Houston goes, hey, bud, James Harden wants to go there. I hang up immediately. I hang up. I pretend like I never got the call. I act like I didn't hear it. I didn't hear that. That is something I cannot afford on this team. James Harden does not help me. I'm real sorry. But I basically have, between James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, I have essentially the same player my in 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 mind in their in their in their brains i have the same three fucking players they're all gonna shoot they're all not gonna really care what everyone else is doing they can all be found flat-footed on defense when i need them not to be and i cannot possibly play more than two of them at the same time and even if i have two of them on the floor at the same time there are going to be periods of time where they hate each other and I'm going to have to deal with that. There's no way in fucking hell I could add James Harden. There's no way that fucking works. Who, who, it, it, there was a good little like meme I saw where they huddle up. Steve Nash goes, okay, who's going to shoot the ball? And Kevin Durant kind of looks at everyone like, it's going to be me. And James Harden goes, well, you know, whoever gets the rebound, they can shoot. And Kyrie goes, I already shot it. And I go, yeah, of course. That's that team that you would have put the you have already put the two most mentally adept people together on a team, uh, and then said we're going to add a third person who's uh, mentally wide, and go. This I'm sure will work with a rookie coach. I don't care if it's Steve fucking Nash. I don't. I think he could be a great coach. Phil Jackson would struggle with the egos in that locker room. And he was the best motherfucker ever at it. Steve Nash has no record to that. I, I, what do you think about that farcical trade? I think I, I might have a different point of view than you, actually. I, I think that... Well, let me let me make sure that I, I preface this by saying that I think that most people are focused on the worst case scenario for the Nets if that hypothetical trade were to go through. Yes, the worst case scenario is that KD, Kyrie, and Harden can't figure stuff out. They're arguing over the ball. We don't know whose team it is. You know, like that is the worst case scenario. And admittedly, that worst case scenario sucks. Yes. But I don't think enough people acknowledge the best case scenario. Like Harden and and Kyrie Irving, they both come from 
places in their early careers where they weren't they weren't the ball dominant players that they are today. So Kyrie knows how to play off ball. He won a championship with LeBron James. Uh, Kevin or not Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. Uh, James Harden knows how to play off ball because he you know he did it with Russell Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant. So in the best case scenario, I do think that it could work if they could fall in line. Like, look, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. I don't care who's on the court with Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant says, I want the ball, you give the ball to Kevin Durant. Agreed. But I I do think that Kyrie Irving, he might be able to fall in line behind James Harden. Uh, You know, we've heard so much about Kyrie being dysfunctional with these teams, but in Boston, who who had seniority or who you know who had the upper hand on Kyrie? It wasn't Tatum. It's not Brown. You know, it when wasn't LeBron up, either. Yeah, but I think we we saw at least LeBron got it done with him. You know, he it, LeBron it gets it done with a lot of people though. Right, right. But I'm saying it. You saw he fell in line enough to be able to win, right? Yes, for a time being. There, there's there's right. a window. Right, and so then he goes to Brooklyn, and then uh, the who who's supposed to tell him something in Brooklyn? Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, like no, it, I feel like if Kyrie is next to people who command that respect, it, he may fall in line. And he might not, but I think there's a scenario where he does fall in line, and so I, I wouldn't, you know, if if that if that big three were to happen, I'm not immediately going no, no way. I think they're immediately the favorites to win the championship. Honestly, okay. I take hard stances occasionally, and I'm sometimes wrong. I I would fade the ever-loving fuck out of that team if they landed Harden. I, I would be so happy. I would be so happy. I, I I think that would be a team. Now, let me let me let me let me get this out of the way. They're definitely a top four team in the East if they put that together. Don't get me wrong. But I cannot wait for them to play someone in like the first or second round and they're fucking four to one favorites and I take the other side and Boston beats them. Um, They just... I've seen almost the same combo of guys together when they had Westbrook. And that team... Went to a championship. Now that team was deep. You had Adams that was a role player. You had Ibaka. You had, they were players on that fucking team. That team was very deep all around them. And they did go to a championship, and they got humiliated, and James Harden has been that same player his whole career. I just don't... I guess I really, really struggle to see, as someone who believes in camaraderie, and the the putting emotions aside, which I think we saw a great case in point this year with the Clippers. When you're not focused on winning a championship, upsets happen. And that's my biggest problem with that team. Is Katie that hungry? Wins two rings? Said he accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish? Now goes to Brooklyn to play with his friends? Is it win a championship or is it, you know... To play with your friends. I know that sounds real talk radio dog shit, but it, it's there's some truth in that. Y- are you focused on winning the whole thing? And here's my biggest point: Kyrie's been hasn't been healthy since when? It's been a couple years. KD thirty two, massive leg injury, followed by a bigger leg injury. I what am I getting here? We talk about Houston being young when they went the first time. Now we're talking about the old heads. 
And this is fresh off the news that Clay Thompson may have just blown his ACL out again. I don't I'm know Clay. if you Clay. Yeah, what did I say? No, no, I said yeah. damn. I, I feel for my man Clay. That's it's fucking brutal because I actually really like Golden State this year. I thought they were. I thought the Splash Brothers were going to be back, and it was going to be it was going to be Dunzo for a lot of teams. But I don't know. I think that there's a lot of downside here with Brooklyn. I think that they're better off with the two players they have and then finding pieces to fit around them instead of trying to add a third star that's just going to muddy things up. I don't need more fucking firepower than KD and Kyrie. You don't. If you need more firepower than that, you're going about it wrong. Now you need players to fill around them. That's what you need. You know, I, this is a team that if they would have gone and got Chris Paul, I think they would have been a lot better for it. If they could have landed someone like that instead of Harden, that's who I'd want on that team. A nice vet, to, I don't know if he smooths things out, but can navigate the game correctly, doesn't have to play, uh, doesn't have to be the shooter, can step in if the others are off the court. I thought that would be a better fit, but that's all safe. I agree with you. Uh, I think that you know, from a team-building aspect, they might be better off just filling the roster with the right role players. Yeah. But, you know, I, again, I don't want to focus on the worst-case scenario for this trio. I, I think that if the trade were to happen, James Harden instantly becomes the best number two option in the NBA. Kyrie Irving instantly becomes the best number three option in the NBA. And things might be able to, I don't know, I'm just not ready to say that that team would suck. Uh, you got two MVP, three MVPs, no, two MVPs, and one guy who's, you know, who's proven that he can get it done when it counts. I, I wouldn't count them out. All right, if I got to be god of nba for a day i would trade Kyrie for james harden and i would make Kyrie play with russell westbrook for a year <laughs> you know if that was an option if they could just make a big two out of harden and, and duran i actually like really like that yeah yeah anyone but Kyrie sounds great to me um and look i'm not unfounded by saying that he and i'm not saying that Kyrie's a bad person Okay, I'm saying he's a difficult person and difficult people can be tough in a team scenario. Bob Knight is the top three all time college coaches of NBA of, of, of basketball. He is a difficult person. Okay, that's that's the that's the thing. You can still be great and be difficult. Now, as a player, when you're difficult. It, it can manifest in multiple ways. You're either completely pro-Kyrie or you're not in a team locker room with a lot of dynamics and a lot of people that are the best of the best up until they get to the fucking NBA. There's a lot of ego, and I think that rubs people the wrong way. And I think when you're trying to win a championship and you have a mindset of some of your teammates maybe are out to get you or your coaches are out to get you and it's a long season and it's going to be relentless this year and it's definitely going to be relentless when it was in the bubble. I don't even know what I can trust as far as who's in the foxhole with me. And Kyrie is the person where I go, that guy could just leave. I If I could trade those two, Harden, Kyrie straight up, bing bada boom, I'd think the Nets, I'd, I'd, I'd buy all the Nets stock I could get my hands on. 
So. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't have any argument against that. I just think that I've seen a lot of people shooting down the idea of that big three when I think, eh, you know, it's not the worst idea I've ever heard. It's just these guys would have to be willing to do a little more off-ball than they have in the last couple years. Yes, and I don't know if that's – I just don't know if that's totally possible. Okay, let's let's talk about – tonight's draft which is coming up in 45 minutes we'll have this out sometime during the draft uh we haven't seen a whole lot of movement in the top golden state has the number two now i'll tell you this the intrigue is insane with golden state and this clay thompson injury because they have a better idea of what it is over everyone else so their entire draft here is going to be interesting i think if they stick in the spot and take i think if they stick in the spot and take a big to hold down kind of the middle that like a James, uh, James Wiseman, uh, if you go someone like that, I think that's a team that's going, we understand that we're going to be limited by our injuries. We're still going to be competitive with Curry. And if Clay's just hurt for a little bit, 7-6 um, is a massive human being, James Wiseman. I think that he could be someone they take. Uh, it, when it comes to these injuries. But when we start at the top, the Minnesota Timberwolves with the first pick, do you have any inclination on maybe where they're going? Uh, everything I've seen says Anthony Edwards. And I just want to say about Anthony Edwards, I don't know if you saw this quote or not earlier today, but a, a quote comes out essentially with him saying uh, in an interview that he don't really like basketball like that. Like, he, he likes football. He actually said that he doesn't really enjoy watching basketball. He, he doesn't like watching it. He's He wishes that he could be a football guy, but he saw that his potential was in basketball, so he went that route. I really liked Anthony Edwards until this morning when I read that. I'm Jesus. not taking you number one if you're talking about you don't even watch basketball. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing And I liked him. Yeah. You know, off the tape because he looks physical. He's... You know, he's not the tallest guy in the world, but he, you know, he uses his body. He's got shooting potential, defensive potential, all that. He's got a potential to be a great player. But if you're going to tell me that you would rather be in the NFL and that you're just playing basketball because, you know, you jumped through the gym one day and was like, oh, shit, then I'm not feeling great about you. Yeah. All that being said, I think that that's the direction that the Timberwolves are going in unless they, you know, make a last second change. Everything I've heard is said that Anthony Edwards is going to be the pick. Well, we know one thing for a fact, the Timberwolves are bad at their jobs. So <laughs> they're probably going to pick the person, you know, they're pretty good at this. They pick Carl Anthony Towns who doesn't seem to give a fuck. They picked um, Andrew Wiggins Andrew who, Wiggins, definitely, who didn't definitely didn't give a fuck. It would be your I think Okay, I think what you just did was give the entire explanation on why Anthony Edwards will be picked number one. Because they <laughs> are a bunch of dum dums. And they have to be they, they have to do that. You know, I will say the thing about this draft when you notice just in the top top, you know, you look at a big board of who's in the top you know, ten players. 
What a huge, huge, huge set of humans this is. Uh, from Patrick Willis, who's 6'11", uh, James Wiseman, 7', uh, that's his wingspan, 7'6", I was going to say 7'1", um, what is it, Denny Avida, 6'9", LaMelo Ball, 6'7", uh, there are some really, really, really tall fucking players, Patrick Willis, 6'8", um, it's a pretty big athletic draft, but I don't think anyone universally gets anyone else excited. You know, the, the NBA draft to me is such an interesting fucking thing because the way they trade the draft picks, like if you were, if you were a football fan, you're trying to get into the NBA, okay, as I am, and I go, I'm trading a first-round pick. I go, okay, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Okay, the first-round pick, first 32 pick. Wow, shit, okay. So you're getting back like an all-star, like an all-pro for that. Like, no, no, no. We're going to get a role player, uh, maybe a sixth man. And you're like, for a first. And they're like, yeah, for a first. And you're like, okay, hold on. None of this lines up the way that I feel like it should. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out how I can equate it for people like me that are jumping into the sport. It's kind of like the first five picks in the draft. And sometimes it's only like the first fucking pick in the draft is an actual number one pick. Then you have like your lottery picks behind them, which are good players, but they're not going to fucking blow you away. And they, they're really like second and third round picks. And then everyone else in the draft from like nine down to fucking the end of the second round goes from being like a fourth round pick all the way into the seventh immediately. I, it's such a hard thing to gauge, and I don't think there's one, there's no Zion in this class by a mile. This is an interesting draft in the sense that I think that I don't know who's going to be the best player out of this by a long shot, and I don't know if anybody does. I, I definitely can't tell you who's going to be the best player in this draft because, I mean, this has been a weird year. We didn't get to see March Madness. The college season got cut short. Like, it, it's a weird year for sure. Um, I can tell you one player that I really like who's not getting top three buzz, who I kind of feel like should be getting top three buzz, and it's uh, Obi Toppin. Yeah, a lot of people are fucking saying that. And, and Okay, go into it. Go into it. All right, so Obi Toppin, he's 6'9". He's, uh, I guess you'd call him like a combo forward. He's either going to be a small forward or a power forward in the league. Um, he's a guy who's great in transition. He can jump through the roof. Uh, if you just put his highlight tape on, you'll see him windmilling, you know, off, a, off of a baseline pass. Like, it, he doesn't need much to explode. Uh, he's also got a jumper. He shot 39% from three in college. Not a huge volume, so we'll see if that translates. But if it does... This is an athletic freak with a big body who can shoot. And I think that he would fit perfectly somewhere like Golden State. I actually tweeted earlier that, you know, all the hype is for Golden State taking James Weissman. And maybe they actually do take James Weissman. Yeah, you know, we'll see. But I think that Obi Toppin fits better. 
You know, they could go small. They could play small ball with him next to Draymond doing the 4-5 or five thing down there. Now, his defensive awareness definitely needs work. You know, he, he's going to have to be coached up a little bit on the defensive end. But on the offensive end, he's got pretty much everything that you want. I mean, the, the handle could use a little work, but as a forward, you know, a 3-4, I don't think you can complain about anything with Obi Toppin. He's 22 years old, so he's not really a project guy. He's, he's coming in kind of ready already. And I think that if he can go to a team that has a playmaker, because that I don't I don't see him as a playmaker, but if he can go to a team that has a, a Steph Curry or a Trey Young or even a John Wall Bradley Beal or Chris Paul and Devin Booker, you know, those would be the perfect fits for him where he can just get his offense, he can do his thing in transition, but the team's not relying on him to be a number one guy. I really like Obi Toppin if he ends up in the right situation. The the only player that I'm really high on that's kind of down there is Cole Anthony. Um, I think that he got a raw deal in UNC, which is rare, that they didn't showcase his ability um, and that he's, you know... Uh, he could uh, become something. This was a player who was kind of ranked number one coming out of high school, uh, and and you, you, he just kind of falls off after a year, uh, gets injured. I, I think he could be someone. I don't have a huge knowledge of. I actually don't have a great knowledge of college football. I don't have a great knowledge of the NCAA. I do watch more NCAA basketball than I do uh, college football. I cannot stand college football. Um, and I know I get a lot of people that go, how do you not like it? And not to sidetrack, but I'll tell you why I don't fucking like it. The difference between college basketball and college fucking football is college basketball follows a lot of great fundamental rules of the sport. College basketball, you can see and smell the coaching. In college football, there are four to five great teams that hammer everyone else because they have the best coaching and they get the best players. Everyone else gets pittance after that. And I have no interest in watching a bunch of people that are poorly coached run around on a football field. I get that they're freak athletes. I love the Olympics. I have no interest in my football field. Uh, NCAA basketball, however, offers great technique. And I think it, I think the reason why it's so difficult sometimes to figure out who these role players are going to be is it's tough to see how players were used uh i will be rooting for jalen smith from maryland if i do root for a university it is maryland from home state uh so jalen smith who's probably going to go in the middle of the rounds and may not be anything but i, I that's my only rooting interest in tonight um i also i also will be rooting against Lamelo ball am i okay oh, to do I that Say we can't get out of here without mentioning Lamelo. No you chance. Like no, I don't like him. Fuck him and fuck his dad and fuck his brother. <laughs> I uh, okay. Here are Lamelo Ball's. Who is here is who Lamelo Ball is compared to? Lonzo Ball. Okay, shoot me in the head. Like <laughs> I'm. I, I'm so sorry. I I think Lonzo Ball is a is a. He's obviously a starter in the NBA. I think he is someone who will not be a starter for much longer in the NBA. I think he will spend a long time in the NBA because he will be doing the uh, I'm a backup defender who uh, is, you know, in crunch time, I can defend really well. He's going to have to keep fucking working on that because ain't nobody letting you take the last shot. But that's fine at the end of a game because 
I'm going to have my best players and Alonzo uh, will put himself in the way. I would have no interest in LaMelo. I love how people talk about him. Here, Here's just one breakdown. Some people go, uh, this is Kevin O'Connor, uh, passes like he's on the Harlem Globetrotters. Okay, so did Lonzo. Go fuck yourself. I, I and not 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 to Kevin O'Connor, but people that are really high on him. We didn't see him against any type of competition that's really worthy. He played on a league that he what he owned. His parent, his father, fucking owned. Like, just get him out of here. Sure, he'll be a fine player. He should never be this high on draft boards. I don't think he's ever going to be anything more than his brother's going to be. His brother, Lonzo, I think is the better basketball player. And that's the end of it to me. <laughs> that, that little clip right there has the potential to age very poorly. <laughs> However, I... Come get me. I, I'm not all the way with you on that, but I'm also not going to tell you that you're crazy either. Honestly, I am playing the wait-and-see approach with LaMelo. I don't know. I just don't know. You know, like he sometimes he looks. I've seen him look good. I've not seen him against the best competition, like you said. So I, I don't know. I don't know. He's touted as the best of the three ball brothers. He can shoot. He can pass. Uh, he hasn't shown me much on defense, but uh, the potential's there. Yeah, look, he's 19. I, I don't know. I just don't know with LaMelo. I don't know. He needs to go to the perfect place. I don't think he's someone that can end up somewhere like Charlotte where there's no other players or hope and and he turns into the superstar. I don't think that that's going to be the situation. Honestly, you mentioned Clay's injury earlier. Don't be surprised if they think that that injury's serious, like God forbid, but let's say it's an Achilles or something like that. I wouldn't be shocked to see the the Warriors at number 2 go. Yeah, fuck it. LaMelo, come on. Let's see what you got. I would rather James Wiseman at number two for them. They need a big. They need a big. See, my thing with James Wiseman and the Warriors is like, yes, they need a big, but do you need a big who's going to get played off the floor in crunch time? Like, if he can't shoot, then yeah, how useful is he going to be in the fourth quarter of game seven? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Okay. I think that's pretty good as a breakdown. You got any parting thoughts or we close this little bitty down? I know I just finished talking about it, but I got my eyes on wherever Obi Toppin ends up. I really, I'm very curious to see where he ends up. Because if he can go somewhere where they're not going to rely on him to be the guy on day one, then I really like him. I think that he's got a high ceiling. Okay. Look, I, I, I'm going to be watching this. I don't have a ton of money on this draft. A couple things. I'm brooding against LaMelo because it's fun. Um, but you can find us, Pick and Play 37, on Twitter. For me, pal Gordo. Leo, you can find him, Pick and Scroll, on Twitter. Uh, we will be putting this up, and we will be putting an NFL pot up. This is a rivalry week, motherfucker. Uh, both of our teams limping horribly into this, uh, but we will have uh, it. The Titans are damn near crippled at this point. Uh, look, we are in the same fucking boat. Uh, not to spoil it, but our current, our backup left tackle now didn't practice today, and the entire middle of our defense didn't practice. Not great. Um, so we will get into not that. Great. Not great at all. This might be a shoot fucking out. 
Uh, we will have NFL coverage later for you coming out hopefully Thursday or Friday afternoon. Um, but as always, rate, subscribe, review. Stay safe. Thanks for listening.